The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. Today we're discussing The Serene Squall, the seventh episode of this first season of Strange New Worlds. I'm Father Corey Stika, taking over for Dom Bettinelli this week, and joining me today is Jimmy Aiken. How's it going, Jimmy? Howdy, Father Corey. Before we begin, get your own, very own Secrets of Star Trek TV t-shirt and more by visiting, visiting sqpn.com slash merch. And let me tell you about another show on the StarQuest network you're sure to enjoy, Secrets of Stargate. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Stargate. So as we begin, would you like to give us a summary, Jimmy? This week, our Let's Meet the Crew of the Enterprise episode focuses on Spock, and we begin with a log by his fiancée, T'Pring, who's working at a logical criminal rehab center. The Enterprise is heading to the fringe of Federation space, where a former Starfleet counselor named Dr. Aspen is trying to help some colonists who are being menaced by a pirate ship called the Serene Squall. But it turns out that the colonists are imaginary, and Dr. Aspen is really Captain Angel of the Supreme Squall. It's all been a trap, and the pirates take over the Enterprise surprisingly easily. While simultaneously holding Captain Pike and a landing party aboard the Serene Squall, Pike and the gang start a mutiny on the Squall, while Spock and Nurse Chapel deal with Captain Angel and her band of pirates aboard the Enterprise. Turns out that Captain Angel is in love with a Vulcan criminal at T'Pring's rehab center, and she blackmails T'Pring into coming to exchange this criminal for Spock. But Spock and Chapel pretend they're having an affair, causing T'Pring to break the engagement, and she refuses to release her prisoner. This deprives Captain Angel of her leverage. And with a successful mutiny happening on the Squall, Captain Pike is able to use the Enterprise's backdoor codes to save the day. Captain Angel then abandons her crew and beams to a third ship and escapes. After the pirates are in custody, T'Pring reveals that she knew Spock was pulling a ruse with Nurse Chapel, so the engagement is still on. And at the last minute, we learn that the criminal Captain Angel is in love with is Spock's illegitimate half-brother, Cybok. The end. Yeah, it's a great, great reveal. I, that was that was probably the most shocking part of the episode. The rest of the episode was was OK, but the, the ending was like, oh, cool. I'm glad they're going to deal with this. Yeah, because Gene Roddenberry didn't like the whole Cybok thing. And, you know, after after the movie Star Trek five, where Cybok was introduced, sort of kind of failed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been questionable. Is Cybok canon or not? Right. And and here they've said, yeah, they yeah, he is, um, you know, the um, anything Gene Roddenberry took a paycheck on is is something that's that's <laughs> licensed and canon, no matter what grumbling he may have had about it. Yeah. And there are other things he didn't like that still stuck around. So I guess he had to deal with it. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, we open with Dupring. She's she's the one giving the log this time, you know. You know, we talked before how there were uh, other episodes where the person who gave the log was the person the episode was focusing on. 
but they they, they kind of changed that this time. This instead mm-hmm. now it was to Pring that gave the log, and we get to see the rehabilitation center where she works, which looks like a rather peaceful place to go visit. Yeah, people are standing around in this sci-fi landscape, painting pictures and stuff like that, and so it does look kind of kind of relaxing. More like a retreat center than it, you know, what we would think of like a retreat center, although very much, you know, you've got the, the, the sand drawing and stuff like that, where it's, it's, you know, a little bit more uh, Eastern mysticism than, than like a Christian retreat center, but still. And T'Pring is trying to figure out Spock's human side. And of course, immediately goes to 20th, oh, yeah. 20th and 21st century novels showing human sexuality. Yeah, so she's she's read uh, a couple of them. One was by Henry Miller, mm-hmm. and another one was was it Jacqueline Suzanne, uh, Erica and Jong, Erica and- Jong. Okay, and then there's a more recent one that she read too. All three of them are real. Yeah, um, but I haven't read any of them, so I don't know exactly what they contain. I haven't either. You know, you look at the Wikipedia entries on them, and they're notorious for their portrayal of human sexuality and. Yeah, I don't know anything about them either. Haven't read them. Haven't been interested. But it, it actually kind of startles Spock that she's showing interest. I like that he's sipping the wine and almost chokes on it when she mentions reading about this. That was pretty funny. But yeah, at a certain point, he interrupts her and says, maybe we should read these texts together. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've all kind of been that. We've been there where people are telling you about things like, you know, why, why don't we talk about that later? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it surprised him so much that he, he he's distracted by it. And I love the, the, the conversation between Chapel and, and Spock where she's descri- talking about Dr. Aspen's. Oh, yeah, she's described as sharp, you know, that she's really sharp. And Spock's just off in, you know, la la land. He's off thinking about all this. And, yeah, she's sharp as in has razor blades for fingers, you know, for shaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of cute. He, he was he was off in another world. And, of course, he, he's. Reaching out to her as a friend, you know, for yeah. for help, which is which is nice. But then we find out the reason why the Enterprise is out, you know, rushing through the, the galaxy this time. And it's on a res- rescue mission for these lost colonists. They're on the edge of Federation space and they, they were stranded without power is what what uh, Dr. Aspen tells them. And they're, you know, they've been stranded for, you know, three weeks, four weeks, and they need to they need help immediately. But of course, the and- and we have a sense of how big Federation space is at this point because they're on the fringe and they tell us it'll take two days for mm-hmm. a message to get back to Starfleet. And since they established the speed of subspace communications last episode, that tells us that they are 285 light years away. Right. Right. So it's quite a distance. But of course, the Boy Scout captain is on the way to rescue. Apparently, Pike's record shows that he's a Boy Scout. Yeah, he's it's, it, number one says it's actually in his file that he is he, he has a nickname of Starfleet's Boy Scout. Yeah. So and we were introduced with, to uh, at this point, we're introduced to Dr. Aspen, who was formerly a Starfleet counselor on Starbase 12. But then she quit to go and help those people like these colonists who are they kind of fly under the radar. You know, so that was kind of interesting. Uh very much concerned. She had worked on the, 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 the frontiers of, of the Federation and wanted to help them. And that's why she was involved in this to uh, bring the enterprise in. Um, so it was kind of an interesting, seems like an interesting character, but she turns pretty creepy kind of quickly. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I, I, I actually wrote down my notes that she's seriously creeping on Spock. 
Yeah, she comes to Spock and has conversations with him like um, about his Vulcanness and humanness. Mm -hmm. And the subtext to this is the actor who plays um, who plays Dr. Aspen, I guess, is a um, is was born male Mm -hmm. and is not portraying a male um and and so the subtext is is i don't know how to articulate it but um but it's they're trying to relate that situation to spock being neither human nor vulcan or both human and vulcan or something and so so this this scene in particular where this where they re, where Dr. Aspen tries to discuss this with Spock is something that I'm like, OK, I see what you're doing here, but I don't really care. Yeah. Where where Dr. Aspen becomes much more interesting is after the heel turn, yep. after it's revealed that um, that that she's actually Captain Angel. Mm-hmm. of 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 the serene squall and all of a sudden all of she all of a sudden the actor is having much more fun mm-hmm. in this part and is actually emoting in um in a in a much bigger way and is much more fun as a character yeah. and that's actually something that um that I had to view as, I mean, if we're going to have trans actors and so forth, at least we've gotten to the point where they can be villains. Yeah. They don't have to be Mary Sue's all the time. They don't have to be the poor beset upon victim all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, they try to do that a little bit with this character, but ultimately this is a villain. And and the villain is a much more interesting character to watch than Captain Dr. Aspen was. Yeah, I agree. I was actually kind of surprised because usually when they have their diversity hire, if you will, they always try to portray him in the best light possible. So to take someone who would be would fit that role to instead to make them the villain is kind of okay. That's actually a little bit risky, Mm -hmm. but it turned out, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And the commentary I've seen on the online has been very much, you know, this is a much more interesting character as a villain than as as the other version. Yeah, yeah. And there there was a Dr. Aspen that was supposed to be there, but she actually like put him on a, a uninhabited planet and he's still there. Apparently he or she, we don't know which, but uh, which kind of makes me wonder about the records of the Federation, if they couldn't tell that this wasn't the real Dr. Aspen. Yeah, although although this is the same period as the original series and they did whatever they needed to, to get the story to work. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so anyways, they, they get to the edge of Federation space. We find out that it's going to take two days to get the approval from Starfleet. So Pike says, send the message and we'll do it anyways. Um, and they find what they think are the relic, the, the remnants of two ships that have been destroyed two of the colonist ships. There are supposedly three of them and they find the, the remnants. And of course they do the kind of the cool effect where they like highlight which parts are from which ship because they could tell for reasons. Hmm. But, um, but they, they find a, a warp trail leading away. And so of course they follow it and, Oh, there's the third ship, except it's not the third colonist ship. It's the pirates. It's the serene squall. 
Yeah, they and all this is occurring in an incredibly another incredibly ridiculously dense asteroid field. Yep. And we also have a callback to the Tholian web in this, where temporarily a bunch of asteroids uh, put the Enterprise in a laser beam web, and then they manage to get through it pretty quickly. Yeah, they figure out which which is the actual transmitter of the or emitter of the the, the web, and then shoot it. Yeah, which so it's got a critical failure point, and you know, um, if it really were. Um, you know, lasers on asteroids that were knitting this thing together, you you shouldn't have a critical failure point. But no. you know, we'll give it, we'll give that to them. Well, you you got to have the one emitter and a whole bunch of mirrors, basically. So that's how they set it up. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. Yep, exactly. So, anyways, they they find the ship, and oh, this must be the colonists. Let's beam over because we can find two hundred. We can we can find 230 life signs where there are supposedly 200 colonists from the three ships. And then there must be 30 of the away team, the the pirates that remained on the ship uh, uh, holding the colonists. But of course, it turns out it's not. It's a trap that Pike jumps right into. And gets captured by the by the, the Serene Squall crew. Yeah. And the this Serene Squall crew is. Um remarkably efficient at taking over the enterprise. Mm -hmm. I mean, they get beamed over there and, and I, there's like supposed to be 400 people on the enterprise Yeah, and I don't get how they, how they take over so quickly, but they do. And we then have a few survivors like uh nurse chapel who gets to go in a Jeffrey's tube. Yep. And we, we see the new Jeffrey's tube looks just like it did back in the old days, or at least a lot like it did back in the old days. And um, we get to see a little bit of hand-to-hand -hand combat on the bridge. Mm -hmm. Ortegas keeps a gun at her desk. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, apparently some... some uh, progressive-minded uh, firearms <laughs> policies at, uh, at, at Starfleet. Um, Spock nerve pinches a bunch of pirates as they're coming on the bridge, uh, more than one. And he also bashes their heads on things and throws them around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a pretty good battle. And in, 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 the, in the resulting battle, uh, uh, Aspen, Dr. Aspen gets, gets injured as Spock throws her into a into the, uh, the turbo lift to get to escape. Uh, but yeah, it was, I like I like nurse chapel in, in this whole scene with the enterprise being taken over where she's using the hypo spray as a weapon. Yeah, I know that was fun. It, I, I, she's she, holding up her hand. I have no weapon and it's tucked in her sleeves. Like I have no weapon, just a hypo spray. Yeah. <laughs> no weapon nurse. Yeah, exactly. And, and then she turns around and starts hypo spraying them. Yeah. She, she kind of turns into to action nurse at that point. Pretty impressive. That was uh, fun. Yeah, that, that was fun. But uh, it, and of course, it all happens at once. Like you said, it, it was it was surprisingly they were surprisingly efficient. They lose comms with the way team. And all of a sudden, next scene, you see bad guys running through the corridors. So um, but Pike meets who he thinks is the captain of the screen squall, a big, big Orion who, who's clearly in charge. So he thinks he's a captain and not a very who's not a very good cook, apparently. Yeah. And he's a big Irish um, I mean, the actor is Irish. Okay, and and so um, so there's uh, there's a little bit of I guess 
wordplay conceptually going on. Um, you have the Orion guy being mm-hmm. Irish and with the green skin paint and everything. Um, the The idea of Orion Pirates goes back at least to the animated series. I forget if they're mentioned in the cage, mm-hmm. but there is an episode of the animated series called The Pirates of Orion. Right. Well, I mean, we, we see, I mean, Orion's going all the way back to the cage because uh, Vina portrays herself as an Orion dancing girl. Right. She's an Orion slave girl in that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at one point anyways. But yeah. So uh, but he, he thinks he's the captain, of course, finds out later that he's not. He's just the one who happens to be in charge right now and is the cook of all things. The gruel that Orion's apparently like. And so so Pike ingratiates himself by offering to cook actual food for the pirate crew. And we do that. Um, and it's and in part of that process, Pike initiates his plan to start a an uprising to start a mm-hmm. mutiny among the crew by sowing discontent between um between the green guy and everybody the green guy's name by the way is Remy Remy and um but he starts trying to sow discontent between Remy and the rest of the pirates and at one point he gets thrown into a uh, a holding tank with other enterprise crew members including number 1 and Dr. Mbenga and he they start talking number one starts talking about not alpha braga four yeah and he's he's like yep we're doing alpha braga four which apparently they started a mutiny there before and they don't really play this out we don't see a lot of it they just kind of sketch this um and then next thing we know the mutiny is in full swing and they're in control of the bridge of the pirate ship yeah and they they they're once again, they're doing that thing where you just name what happened on a particular planet or a particular ship. And, oh, yeah, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, at least this time they explained it. You know, sometimes, you know, discovery was bad for just, oh, yeah, we did this. OK, done. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was kind of nice. Um, while this is going on in the Serene Squall over in the Enterprise, uh, Spock and Dr. Aspen are heading down to engineering where Nurse Chapel is already head because she's trying to get out an SOS. She's just trying to get out, a you know, a. a uh, emergency message and of course the ship systems are all locked down because that's what number one did before the fight started and and of course she's complaining is why can't you just get out an SOS you know there, there should be a big red SOS button somewhere on those panels you would think yeah although I can imagine situations where you wouldn't want that you know because it, it might give away your I mean if you install a function like that it can be used against you Right. Um, so I can imagine situation that's kind of debatable, but I wondered the same thing. I mean, like, yeah, why don't they just have a big SOS button, you know, have the uh, ship is in lockdown SOS button, you know, but oh, well. Uh, so but anyways, they get down to engineering to to unlock the ship or at least to move all the uh, to barricade themselves, basically, in engineering and to take over control of the ship uh, down there. And that's when the heel turn happens. Spock gets the ships, gets the systems unlocked and moved to enter engineering. And Dr. Aspen becomes Captain Angel, double fisting phasers. In this, where we find out more about what happened to Dr. Aspen, the real Dr. Aspen. This is where we find out that she's actually the captain of the Serene Squall, not the, uh, not the Orion, 
not Remy. And uh, that she she wasn't there to capture the Enterprise. She was there for Spock. Yeah. And and so she then sends a message to to Prang and says, bring this criminal called Xavieris. Yep. Um, and I'll trade him for Spock. And Spock says, um, you know, that Tupring will not respond because Vulcans do not uh, emotions do not sway Vulcans. And and I, I like Dr. Aspen's return line. She says, I've been using emotion to sway you all day. Oh, those poor sick colonists. Yep. <laughs> oh, my my my. Vulcan boyfriend or husband who died. Yeah. Cause that was one thing that, uh, Dr. Aspen said when she was still Dr. Aspen, that she had a Vulcan husband who, who died fighting, you know, defending himself. And he didn't want to see that happen to, she didn't want to see that happen to Spock, but to bring does respond. She does bring this particular prisoner out there and, and we don't, do- s- we don't see him until the very last right. moment of the episode. So we just hear him talked about before that. Right. Right. And she's willing to do the trade and Spock, of course, can't let it happen. And he says, okay, just follow my lead, basically, to Nurse Chapel. And, you know, he, Nurse Chapel basically takes over and says, yeah, we're having an affair. And that's where we have the, 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 the faint of that they're actually in a relationship and they need to break up, including this massive, you know, romantic kiss right there in the middle of the bridge in the middle of a crisis. And... Captain Alpha or Captain Angel, uh, you know, hangs a lantern on it and says, do you expect to bring to believe this? Right. And they then go forward and Spock had indicated enough. Chapel, as you say, does take the lead, but Spock indicated enough to gesture at the direction they were going. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Spock and Tupring do a ceremony where they officially dissolve their uh, their engagement. Right. Temporarily. Because, of course, we find out later T'Pring comes on to the Enterprise after everything's all said and done. And and uh, she, she knew it all along. She knew that it, she knew that was a that was a feint. And even Chapel said uh, that, you know, Spock was too honest that he would never actually have a, a relationship with another woman when he's engaged to one already. So everybody knew it was a feint, although you could see in Chapel's eyes that she wanted more than that. Yeah, she, she didn't want it to be a fan. And they've been they've been more than hinting at that throughout the season. That's been a pretty steady part of it. But this allows the uh, Enterprise crew that's been uh, being held on the Serene Squall to get the uh, the mutiny going and take over the bridge of the Serene Squall and disable the Enterprise, gently disable the Enterprise. I like that. Yeah. The, so Pike has uh, Ortega's shoot they've used their backdoor codes to bring down um some of the systems on the ship i don't know why they don't just use them to to take control of the enterprise you know i mean it it's a remote workstation so you can just you can just use you can just take control of it if you have the proper codes um but they have ortegas shoot the enterprise's engines gently yeah. is the instruction um to disable them and and they get hit a little bit harder than captain pike intended uh, you know that that's that's one of those things you think about okay they can use the codes to take down the shields and weapons but not the engines you think you'd want it the other way around if you had anything that you could take down by just adding a code remotely. 
You know, you, you think that's the last thing you want people to do is be able to figure out your code to take down your shields and weapons in the middle of a battle. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's just if you've got a computer link to this thing, just take control of the whole thing. But, Shut it all down. Yeah, but put it on don't. remote control. <laughs> Uh, but they take it back over the Enterprise uh, before the crew comes over and all the all the pirates are arrested. Angel uses her uh, necklace, which turns out to be a comm device to her hidden little scout craft that was hiding among the rocks. And she beams out and takes off in high warp. So she escapes. But all the rest of the uh, Serene's Qual crew is arrested and assumedly hauled back to the Federation for trial, etc. And later, Pike is sitting on back in his captain's chair. He did get a he did get a nice line earlier. He told uh, Captain Angel, it's, yep. it's too confusing when you have Captain Angel and Dr. Aspen Aspen, um, because there's also a Star Wars character named Dr. Afra. And and, <laughs> and anyway, um, he did say I'm only, he, he did get a nice line of I'm only going to tell you this once. Get the hell out of my chair. Yeah. And she then does when she beams out. Exactly. But he's sitting back in his chair and he starts talking like a pirate and talking about if we ever see Dr. Aspen again, make her walk the plank and stuff. And and he's doing it in this really over the top pirate accent. Number one says, please stop. You you can see her trying not to laugh, but she's just like she doesn't want to encourage it. Mm -hmm. So like, please stop. Ortega's just laughs. And then we get the scene with Spock and T'Pring reconciling, and T'Pring has a very favorable interpretation of mm-hmm. uh, of of Spock's action because um, she was seriously um, willing to make this trade, even though it would mean her own humiliation in Vulcan society because she would be debarred if she released a Vulcan prisoner, and. Um, so she her take on what Spock did is it was an impressive gambit to protect my reputation and my patient's safety. And she she therefore says your human side can be a source of strength. So she's really appreciating Spock, what Spock did. And mm-hmm. I I like that. Um, in, fa- in fact, they're really doing a good job deepening amok time. Amok Time is the original series uh, right. episode where where Spock and T'Pring break up. And she was just presented in that episode as relentlessly logical. Mm. You know, um, she's she was just ruthless in that episode. But look at how much effort she's putting in here to their relationship. Um, they They really are deepening, you know, where we know this is going, which to my mind is a... I mean, it's it's nice writing, but it also gives the lie to the idea that prequels are impossible or prequels, right. you know, can't be good because this is good. Um, yep. They're they're adding new depth there and they're similarly adding new depth because it's obvious in the original series that Nurse Chapel is in love with Spock and and how they're getting us there is is really well done. And I, mm-hmm. I hope they keep exploring this. Well, they've they've got a lot of room that they can flesh out both characters in that way. Uh, I have to go back and I haven't watched a mock time yet. I have to go and watch it just because it is an important part of this series. So I, I'll have to sit down probably here soon and and watch it just to get it out of the way. Not to mention to hear the famous music. Yeah. Also, um, we meet another character from a mock time in this, which is Stan. 
Um, mm. He's he's in it very briefly. It does look like Stan, but and they call him Stan. But Stan is the Vulcan that to bring throws Spock over for. Ah. So um, and and he's in this. He's apparently someone who works at the same rehab center that she does. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the one that gave her the message, and it was just kind of a throwaway. Oh, thank you, Stan. You know. Yeah. And the end, the Enterprise goes off to save the world again another day. Anything else you want to cover, Jimmy? So let's see. Um, like I said, I don't think that the that the ship should have been taken as easily as it was. I mean, you have security teams. Mm-hmm. They should be trained for this exact thing happening. And we didn't see any sign of coordinated security action happening. I mean, that's La'an's job, right? She's yep. the head of security. So we should have seen her dealing with this. At the end, we have Chapel uh, talking with Spock, uh, saying, I know where I stand with you. You're you're honest and don't worry. There's no feelings between us when we know that's a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have. Um, so in terms of Cybok, who we get at the very, very end, um, we're told he's associated with the Vitosh Couture. Mm-hmm. which would make would make sense given the way he's portrayed in Star Trek 5. Um we're also told that um that Ambassador Sarek had a child out of wedlock. Right. And and that makes sense given that in Star Trek 5 uh Cybok's mother is said to be a Vulcan princess mm-hmm. and Cybok's first uh, Sarek's first wife is said to be um, an Earth woman. And so it's left unclear. Did he go into Ponfar before uh, he met Amanda Grayson or did did he commit adultery? And that's that that's an open question. Um, I would prefer to think that that he went into Ponfar before he met Amanda Grayson. In fact, there is a also there's a bit at the end of the episode Journey to Babel where they introduce Spock and Amanda, Sarek and Amanda. At the end of the episode, Sarek and Spock are like recovering in sickbay and Spock asks him why he married an Earth woman and they've they they missed the line. They needed <laughs> they they needed to say, well, it was logical at the time. And <laughs> and um, and so I've always kind of assumed that there is that maybe maybe just like Spock went it upon far off of Vulcan, mm-hmm. maybe Cy- maybe Sarek did so as well. And that's what led to his marriage to Amanda. Sure. Um, but Spock says that he assumes that Zavarius is an alias for his half brother Cybok who is the one person he's been told always to stay away from. And okay, so that's a signal we're going to see, we're going to meet Cybok later in the series at some point, maybe this season, but it could actually make sense to have Spock stay away from Cybok because of Cybok's rejection of logic in favor Mm -hmm. of emotion. And because 
Spock already has temptations in that direction because he's half human. Right. And so um, it's like it, it could make all the sense in the world to say, OK, given that it would be illogical for you to pursue a relationship with your half brother because he's a criminal and mm-hmm. has um, has rejected logic and you're trying to live by logic. So you should stay away from him. No, that'd be good. And it could be I mean, the interesting they could play them off each other. Too though, mm-hmm. where you can see that that's what leads Spock to further himself away from his emotions. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they take that. I, I'm, I'm hoping they're not going to do something dumb and just say, "Well, now that we've introduced that Cyborg does exist in this this time frame and universe is known, we're just going to drop him now." You know, I, I hope that they're going to portray that more because they do show him from the back where you see where it's clearly his hair, and then he turns and you see the ear and everything. It's clearly him. But they don't go any further than that. Yeah, but we should see more of him in the future. I hope so. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. It'd be good to hear more about him. Well, very good. We got some great listener feedback uh, to share uh, from Mary Barr via email. Absolutely enjoy Secrets of Star Trek. I listen to the podcast regularly and rarely miss a show. Thank I had you. To put, yeah, thank you. I had to put this... I had to put this podcast on pause just to send a comment. Jimmy is absolutely right. Well, we say that a lot, but this is a (laughs) particular one. No, uh, this is a particular one. Uh, Captain Pike's hair is a ridiculous pile of hair product. It was so thick in this episode. You can see the mess of moose. I love the alliteration. Uh, Mm -hmm. They should devote an entire episode of or a short trek to Pike's hair. Techniques. Keep up the good work, everyone. God bless. Thank you. And yeah, Pike's hair has become quite the subject of discussion on the Internet. I've seen multiple uh, commenters talk about it. Um, uh, Pike's Peak, it has been nicknamed. <laughs> um, and in this episode, it's been pointed out that it can go both up and down because after they get captured by the space pirates, his hair gets smashed down and he has this emo look. And I saw one commentator say, is there nothing Anson Mount can't do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must have been part of the torture is they, they took all the hair product out of his hair. Well, very good. Thank you for that feedback. That was that was that was fun. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Christopher V, Natalie B, Cesare T, Colleen H, and Ann S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who normally edits the show every week. Dom will do this one because of it being secrets of uh, or being a strange new worlds. That's it from us. What do you think of the stream squall? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Trek or our Facebook page at s at Facebook page at facebook.com slash Starquest media or send us an email at Trek at sqpn.com. You can also join our discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing Elysian Fields, the next new episode of Strange New Worlds. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Father Corey. And once again, I'm Father Corey Stika. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. <laughs> <laughs>